Without Wires is a wireless power podcast created to spark conversation, share stories, and educate the public on the future of wireless charging. Each podcast episode explores one key question in or adjacent to the wireless power space. Guests include wireless power industry experts, engineers, product designers, and technology leaders engaging in casual chats on compelling subjects. Our World Without Wires takes a lighthearted tone that is accessible to everyone, even while addressing highly technical topics. Join us and learn how you can live in an unwired world. Welcome to Our World Without Wires. As wireless power increases in maturity and adoption, the industry needs solutions that improve performance, efficiency, and user experience. Gallium nitride is essential to enabling higher power applications than can be achieved with traditional silicon, opening the door for charging multiple devices and more diverse devices, such as laptops, drones, robots, power tools, e-bikes, and industrial equipment. Wireless charging circuits employing GAN transistors are also five to 10 times smaller than silicon devices, able to handle the same power levels. Join Dr. Sanjay Gupta and Alex Lido, CEO of Efficient Power Conversion, or EPC, as they explore the ways GAN is advancing the future of wireless charging. Alex Lido, the CEO of Efficient Power Conversion, or EPC, is joining us today to talk about how gallium nitride-based semiconductors are revolutionizing the power electronics industry and improving the efficiency, performance, and user experience of wireless power. So, Alex, welcome to our world without wires. Uh, thanks, Sanjay. Uh, so, but before Alex, we get started. I just wanted to get. You know, you had you grew up in a very interesting family, right? You grew up in a family that literally created the modern power electronics industry. And I would, I would love to be sitting at the dining table there in that family every day. I would love to get your perspective on how it was for you growing up and just to share some stories with our audience. I, I'm sure everybody would love to hear from you. Yeah, I mean, my father came to the United States in 1937 as a Jewish refugee from Nazi Germany. He was born in Lithuania and uh, he started a uh, his first semiconductor company in California in 1939. Uh, and stayed at it until his death in 2013 at the age of 100. Uh, so he really did see it all. Uh, he pioneered early rectifiers that were used in uh, AC to DC conversion and even uh, proximity fuses for the atomic bomb. Uh, and, you know, I joined him in, in 1977 uh, as a recently minted PhD out of Stanford. Uh, and uh, was very interested in conserving energy. So my 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 spin on power electronics was that uh, that uh, we could save about thirty percent of the world's uh, energy through more efficient power conversion, and that led to the development of the power MOSFET. Very nice. Uh, thank you, thank you, Alex, for sharing that. Uh, so. Talk to me a little bit about your latest venture and uh, and what you're doing with gallium nitride. You know, I call you the father of gallium nitride, and gallium nitride seems to be everywhere these days. I would love to hear from you about a little bit about an introduction to gallium nitride for people who don't have a PhD like you do, uh, and how it's going to change uh, 
you know, power electronics now? Yeah, you know, when, when I was a graduate student, uh, I wanted to change the world, as we all do in graduate school, I guess, or everybody I knew did. Uh, and I sort of felt that silicon was getting a little old. You know, that was 1975, and uh, man, it had been around for 20 years, so we need something new. So I did all my PhD work in gallium arsenide, thinking it was the material of the future. It wasn't. And when I graduated, I immediately went to silicon. And became a devotee, uh, developing you know early power MOSFETs, and then following that until the turn of the millennium, when I realized that silicon had reached its physical limits as a power semiconductor. It was at the theoretical limit, uh, and therefore there's not much play, room to go except to you know become bigger and you know find lower costs of capital and things like that. And that wasn't very interesting to me. The same time I learned of in Japan, some researchers had been able to grow gallium nitride on uh, standard silicon, and I realized that that was the solution that I'd been looking for my whole life at that point, uh, because it allowed you to uh, leverage the cost advantages of silicon with the performance advantages of gallium nitride, which by all rights, by everybody's admission, um, allowed devices to be faster and more efficient. And in power conversion, those are two extraordinarily important attributes. So I started efficient power conversion in 2007, uh, and uh, that's where we are today. We have more efficient and lower-cost semiconductors uh, for power conversion as a result. So thank you, Alex. And I want to get some, uh, maybe you ought to dive in a little bit deeper into some of the things you said. You know, we all talk about Moore's Law for computing. So what you're telling me, this Moore's law didn't apply to anything on the power electronic side. Well, it—I mean, there there are aspects that do, but in the end, uh, power electronics is all about the resistance and capacitance of a uh, power device. So you have to conduct a certain amount of uh, current through a device uh, with a certain amount of resistance, and there are various uh, theoretical limits to that. Uh, uh, Beliga calculated many years ago these theoretical limits, and uh, they tell you how low of an on resistance a device can be for a certain, break, for a certain breakdown voltage. Uh, and that's not important to the world of digital electronics, where they can always go lower and lower and lower in voltage to get uh, more and more efficiency. In power electronics, you start with, what voltage do I need? And then how low can you go? So with that, silicon was limited by uh, the, actually the strength of the chemical bond between the two silicon atoms. And gallium nitride's chemical bond is far stronger than those in silicon. And that allows you to make uh, devices that are much smaller but stand up to the same voltage. Uh, and in addition, gallium nitride has this wonderful feature that you can create a quantum uh, mechanical electron gas at its surface, so-called two-deg or two-dimensional electron gas, that has phenomenally um, low resistance and high saturation velocity. That means that you can go, ex you can make a very, very fast semiconductor that's also extraordinarily efficient. And when I say compared to silicon, it's like three and a half orders of magnitude more uh, efficient than silicon in its theoretical limit, although we're far from that still. Okay, very good, very good. So if I can summarize, right? So what you're saying is, look, in the computing world, you could reduce the voltages, you could build smaller transistors, and that's how you could keep free. When it comes to dealing with 
power electronics, that's really not an option, right? You need to deliver power. And, and that meant you needed a certain amount of size uh, in your silicon semiconductors. And to make anything smaller, you really had to find a different semiconductor at the end. And yeah. the nitride was the, the choice. Yeah, and there's also silicon carbide. And by the way, they have both about the same chemical bonds. Uh, but gallium nitride benefits from this two-dimensional electron gas that silicon carbide doesn't. Uh, but silicon carbide has other positive attributes, which makes it good for very high voltage applications and for lower voltage. Very good, very good, very good. So what are the some of the other advantages of gallium nitride? So we talked about the fact that the miniaturization, right? And actually, it was there was something else that I was reading today, which I think now starts to make a lot more sense is, you know, over the, the years, the last few years, or maybe the last few decades, the amount of volume that your power electronics takes in a computing device is actually growing up, right? As the compute part of the semiconductors keep shrinking, the amount of space for power electronics is growing up. Now it is about a third of all of your volume is actually being taken up by power and EPC is going to come and change that equation, I guess, right? You know, you kind of just. Well, you know, GAN is going to. Uh, I, I hope it's EPC. Um, the, the same is true, by the way, in cars where, you know, uh, uh, in the 90s, the average car used maybe 300 watts of, of electricity. Now these mild hybrid cars are using, you know, three to eight kilowatts. Uh, and that means that wiring harnesses are stiff and thick and hard to, you know, form around panels and things. Uh, the same thing on a, you know, a server, the, the power electronics, the distribution of the energy takes up most of the space. Uh, so all of these things get worse and worse as our computing power goes up uh, or as our demands for efficient transportation go up. Uh, now, so the solution there is we'll go up in voltage, sort of the opposite of what digital computers do, where they go down in voltage to increase their efficiency. In power electronics, you will go up in voltage. So for cars, for example, they're transitioning from 14 volt uh, distribution buses to 48 volts. And the same thing is on servers, where they use 12 volts, and now they're going up to 48 volts. And that means that you can conduct four times the electricity through the same copper wire uh, with the same losses. Yeah, yeah, no, thank you, thank you. And it, it certainly starts to make a whole lot of sense to me, right? Because the losses are proportional to the amount of current. So if you want to get the same amount of power, increase the voltage, that's a much simpler solution than just putting right. more current uh, into the same resistor. Awesome. So let's talk a little bit about gallium nitride. And, and we are here to talk about wireless power. So I'm curious to see how gallium nitride enables all of this innovation in wireless power. So, you know, look, I, 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 I see the future as being clear. It's just not clear when it's going to happen. And that is that, you know, we only have one wire left, and that's the power cord. And I have, I've gone all over the world asking people who likes their power cord, and nobody yet has raised their hand and said, I love my power cords. Um, so I know we're going to get rid of them. I know we are, um, and I think the best chance for us to get rid of it is uh, through magnetic resonance, uh, and the reason I say that is because it's the safest way to conduct the most amount of power 
um, with great efficiency. Uh, and, you know, in, in our calculations, which we certainly shared with you and, and everybody we, that will listen, uh, we feel that, that wireless uh, magnetic resonance wireless power transfer uh, can be as efficient as wired transfer. Uh, so, uh, but only, only, <laughs> only if you use gallium nitride. And the reason there is that uh, that you, your starting point is to use um, one of these ISM bands uh, that are open bands for conduct uh, for uh, transmitting um, electromagnetic waves. And the ISM lowest ISM band is six point seven eight megahertz. That is a very high frequency for power silicon devices. It is a very low frequency or easy to do for gallium nitride. Uh, so gallium nitride really allows you to transmit efficiently at the 6.78 megahertz or even at 13.56 megahertz, which is double 6.78 and is the second ISM band. Uh, and we have a lot of customers who are actually transmitting power there, too. Uh, so I see GAN as, as a critical element to keep the efficiency to where wireless power makes sense on a broad scale. So we can really cut the power cord on a broad scale as opposed to just boutique. Right, right. Uh, Alex, can you talk a little bit about like what kind of new experiences consumers can expect with wireless power, right? You know, we've talked, we as an industry has talked about a lot about wireless power. But the experiences people get today I think leaves them with a little bit wanting for more, right? It's too little, too late, and it doesn't quite work as well as promised. Yeah, you know, the, the you know one competing format is Qi, uh, and that is a competing format for really charging phones. Uh, and I think it has already become somewhat obsolete because, you know, it's limited in power, seven and a half watts. Maybe you can get it up to 15, although I'm not aware of any systems out there uh, that, that you can buy for that yet. Um, but in the meantime, fast chargers for cell phones have gone up to 65 watts. And, and, you know, the cell phone power levels have gone up, their batteries have gone up, and therefore a 7.5-watt charger is just, that's just too slow. Uh, I know I have one in my car. I have a phone that charges on it. I leave the office with it at, at say, 63%. I get home, it's at 63%. It just doesn't charge fast enough. So, uh, so what do we do about that? Well, with magnetic resonance, of course, you can charge at any rate you want. Uh, it is, uh, it, it, it does not have that that uh, limit of an inductively coupled system, and uh, so I see that as as important. The other thing is, I think that the the need for very careful alignment in a chi system is also limitation. It means you've got one transmitter to one receiver. And one of the promises of wireless uh, transfer using magnetic resonance is you can have one to many. You can have a tabletop that is safe and can charge a bunch of different items at the same time. So you throw your phone on it, you throw your watch on it, you throw your tablet on it, you even you know put your notebook computer and your, and your um, uh, monitor on it, and they all run, and you don't have any of these pesky power cords. No, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, I think that that's, that will help people, right? Because I think the thing, the refrain that I hear most is the current experience that they have is just like a wire. It's almost like a wire. It's just really like a wire. It's not yeah. a whole lot different at the end, but yeah. if you can charge multiple devices now, 
at the same time, and maybe they all require slightly different amounts of power. That that's very interesting, right? Because yeah, and and I think that going forward, we can also imagine another very important thing, and that is that we're seeing increased autonomy. Uh, little things that roll around on their own and, you know, figure out where to go and what to do in warehouses, uh, you know, sweeping your floor, whatever it is, uh, delivering ice cream, pizza, even people around town. And, you know, you, what you don't want is something completely autonomous and then somebody's got to come around and plug it in. You don't want that. Well, you can say, well, it can figure out how to plug itself in. Yeah, but, you know, those connectors are a little fragile and they don't really like rain and they don't really like... You know, yeah. things like that. So, uh, you know, I think that there's opportunities for uh, accelerating the use of autonomy in our lives through wireless yeah. magnetic resonance. Yeah. And, and Alex, I think what you're what you're saying is all of these new experiences can only be enabled efficiently and to the degree that performance that we all expect by gallium nitride. Right, the traditional semi-silicon-based semiconductors are probably not operating in their sweet spot to enable something. Yeah, look, I think you can use silicon to demonstrate it, you know, to attract investors to what you're trying to do or whatever it is. But when it really comes down to it, we're going to care about both the robustness and the efficiency of the system. And those two factors really, I don't think anybody's found a way around GAN there. Right. And it's all because we're going to use a much higher frequency now than, than right. before. Right. So, and when the systems operate at higher frequencies, they need the next generation technology in a way. Right. I mean, they can't use the, the silicon uh, because of 6.78 megahertz. Uh, and, and so, again, just makes it, makes it possible in that way. Awesome, 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 Alex. So the other question, Alex, that comes up, you know, especially in the context of gallium nitride, is maybe I'll say, you know, a little bit of the fear of the unknown, right? Hey, is this a new technology? How long will these devices last? Um, you know, is it a risk worth taking? What's your answer to that? Well, we've been in mass production now since 2010, so it's over 12 years. Um, I'd say that, that in terms of reliability, GAN is more robust than silicon. It has to do with that stronger chemical bond. It's less sensitive to temperature effects and things like that. Um, also, because GAN is so much smaller than silicon, for wireless power applications, we have, you know, maybe five or six years ago, our components started costing less than silicon components of the same power handling capability, even in, in consumer applications. So today, you can go online, you can do a price comparison, and nine out of 10 times the GAN device is um, either at the lower end of the spectrum or in the middle of the spectrum in prices, uh, which, which means that price isn't a barrier either. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Uh, Alex, are there, like, if people were to look around them, would people have gallium nitride in any of the devices they own today? Uh, it, you know, if they have a fast charger, uh, the answer is yes. Those, those tend nowadays to have GAN uh, in them. Uh, if you use uh, Bitcoin, uh, it's gone through a server that most certainly has a GAN-based power system. Uh, also, many of the, uh, the cloud-based gaming systems 
AI systems. Uh, if you see an autonomous car going down the road, it typically has thousands and thousands of our parts on it. Uh, another thing that's becoming uh, fairly popular, uh, although from China towards uh, Europe and the U.S., are these driver alertness systems using LiDAR, uh, where in cabin it's actually scanning your face to see whether or not you're truly paying attention uh, before it uh, allows you to let go of the wheel. Um, and my car has that, you know, it's kind of cool, uh, except when it warns you that you're not paying attention, in which case it's annoying. But um, those, those things are becoming more and more popular, and we'll see them everywhere soon. Oh, very good, very good. No, thank you, Alex, for sharing that. And I did not realize the little small charger I got, which claims that it can send, you know, 30, 40 watts of power, much like it's similar in size to what the old five watt Apple charger used. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, yeah. Enabled by gallium nitride at the end. In the end, it is. I'll show you my 65 watt charger that I carry with me. Oh, I'm eager to see. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, that's pretty small, right? And that's GAN based. What uh, iPod charger or iPad charger? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you know, and it has a USB C and USB and all that stuff. So, uh, you know, these things are are, you know, almost everybody has them now. But but that's impossible. That's possible because of GAN. Right. Oh, I did not realize. So so GAN is already mainstream, right? So we're all experiencing GAN now. The next power supply I buy from Amazon likely has GAN. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think that will just get more and more ubiquitous uh, over time, especially since price barriers have been broken. So how long before I see my computer charger, which is still a big brick, to be the size of uh, my phone charger? I, I think uh, a couple of the computer manufacturers, I, I believe Dell being one of them, uh, already does do that. So you just got to get a new computer. Get get out of your Windows ninety five computer. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll take your advice, Alex. Go buy a new computer. <laughs> Stay away from Windows seven. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, 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 Alex. I know we're kind of running out of time here a little bit, but before we close, so in a way, you know, the more I think about our conversation, it seems to me your dad invented silicon-based power electronics, right? And now you are kind of disrupting and messing around with his legacy. What do you say to that? Well, first of all, look, a lot of people invented uh, silicon-based power electronics. My father happened to have been a pioneer in that. And um, I was extraordinarily fortunate to be able to stand on the shoulders of a giant. Uh, so that's great. I, you know, he was, a, a an incredible cheerleader for me for my whole life and for his whole life at least. And, uh, so I was very fortunate, uh, and I will, you know, my, my payback is I want to give back to the world, uh, since I was so fortunate in what I, what I received in that. No, thank you. Thank you, Alex. And that's, uh, thank you for sharing that. And I, you must be very proud, right? And I'm sure your dad is very proud of the work you've done. In a way, every company has to reinvent and everything has to get disrupted at the end. So, so it's great to see, you know, your father created an industry and now you are creating and disrupting that industry by creating another one that's as big or even bigger than before. At the end. Yeah, to, to anybody you know, who cares to listen, it's far more fun to disrupt than it is just to keep the status quo going. 
you know, if you're not interested in in what you do, it it becomes a chore. No, absolutely. And we need more people as passionate as you are in our industry, Alex. So thank you for that. Thank you, Alex. It was great having you here. Thanks for thanks for your time today. My pleasure. 